Can you delegate this or can you continue to do it yourself? And so once you kind of draw out that map, not just for your work life, but your personal life, you begin to understand yourself better, which I think is part of the success in running your business, really understanding your own strengths, your weaknesses, your likes, what you don't like. And there's absolutely no problem in not liking running a certain part of your business. That like, you don't have to like everything. Maybe it's time for you to outsource it as well. Hello and welcome to the Bossing It podcast. This series will be exploring real life stories of women on a mission to build big brands and fulfilled lives. Each guest will share the ups and downs of growing their business and get real about the challenges life has thrown their way on the road to success. Each episode will offer a fresh outlook on life and business and you'll also get to hear top tips from these amazing founders that will inspire you on your own mission of entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Connie Longden-Jefferson, and today I'm joined by Elizabeth Agarby, a real multi-hyphenate and queen of the side hustle. In 2016, Liz founded For Working Ladies, a digital media platform that equips women with the tools and knowledge needed to start a successful business. The venture established Liz as one of the most influential people in the UK's business scene, and in 2019, she was named one of the UK ambassadors of Women's Entrepreneurship Day. Always one to have multiple projects succeeding at one time, Liz recently co-founded LaCour.com, a membership network focused on accelerating women within organisations into leadership roles. She is also the host of the How I Made It Happen podcast and recently published her first book, Side Hustle in Progress, a practical guide to kickstarting your business. Whether pursuing an entrepreneurial dream or breaking through the glass ceiling, her ultimate goal is focused on the advancement and economic empowerment of women. In this episode, we talk about juggling full-time work with your side hustle, when you know you're ready to take the leap, and how to avoid burnout when pursuing your dreams. We also talk about the power of your personal brand and how Liz managed to add an author to her ever-growing list of achievements. This was such an inspiring conversation. I hope you enjoy. Hi everyone and welcome to the Bossing It podcast. Today I'm joined by the ultimate multi-hyphenate, Liz Agarby. She is the founder of Four Working Ladies. She is the, an author. Um, her book Side Hustle in Progress came out recently and she's got her fingers in loads of pies and I can't wait to talk to her about all of them. Liz, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so pleased to be chatting to you today. So I mentioned a couple of the things that you're involved in, but I know that you've got such an interesting story and loads of different avenues that you, you've gone down and are going down currently. For anyone that's not familiar with your work, could you give us a bit of a background about your story and, and where you are now and I guess how you got there? Yeah, so I started off my career in communications. Um, I had I was studying law, actually, and then I did an internship. Well, it was slash internship slash part-time job at a PR firm. Um, And it's working for a small business owned by a woman. So that was really like my first experience working for a small business. I think it was three people on the team. And I really enjoyed it. I knew I loved business because I was reading, um, you know, you have those, it's a yellow book. It's called Dummies for XYZ. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like a series. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it was dummies. It was business for dummies. And I had read that all throughout summer, literally back to front. Very useless. Don't do that. (laughs) Um, That's not the way to understand business. But yeah, so I had read that, but I was also studying law. 
But I knew I wanted to do something around business. So after my law degree, I did a master's in international business. And that really gave me more insight into things like marketing and strategy um, and working across cultures and how different brands adapt. And those, and really when it comes to business, that's what I love, the brand marketing and communications. And essentially that is what grows a business outside of all the other things like operations and the finance and team. The core thing is really the marketing because that's how you connect with the audience. Um, so I went into communications and I had started working for Unilever and then I worked for a consulting firm. I was really figuring it out and I'll be honest with you, I did not mind. Um, and I always tell people that it's completely fine to keep trying to figure it out until you find the perfect path for yourself. Totally. So I went to Unilever, I worked there for a couple of years um, I then went to a consulting firm and then I went to an investment bank and then a couple of not-for-profits. And then my last full-time role was at um, an advertising agency called Ogilvy, um, where I was communications director. And that was really just a mixture of internal comms and external. So it, it could be things like running internal campaigns or doing PR and events um, or coming up with campaigns for the agency itself, trying to get press for the leaders um, talking about the work we're doing with our people, such as like working from home. So it's basically storytelling about the company. Um, but alongside doing all of that, um, I had started a side hustle, which is for working ladies. And I started that in 2016. Um, but in 2016, I actually left my full-time role to start a small business, and that was a communications company. And that was when I started for working ladies. And um, when I started that, I had actually been writing for a career platform, a female career platform. And it was a brilliant platform, but I did bring up the fact that the stories weren't diverse enough mm -hmm. and they were only talking about careers in fashion and PR, the ones that are quite glossy. And they were only talking about um, certain types of women. So I brought this up, um, they ignored me. And then one day they did a career profile on Beyonce. And I was like, was this supposed to be the answer to the problem <laughs> that I brought up? problem. <laughs> yeah. And I found that quite problematic because they had been speaking about everyday women previously. And when I had asked them to, you know, diversify the content and not just in race, but actual industries, you know, look at things like STEM, because I think that's important. Um, that was literally their solution. So I started my own platform. I had prior to that run about four different blogs. I knew how to create digital content and to grow it, you know, into a big platform. So I created my own platform called For Working Ladies. And I really just started posting to Instagram relatable content. And this was way back in 2016, where I don't think it was as popular, mm -hmm. but there was definitely some up and coming at the time. Um, and then we basically had the content platform and by then, I think I had about 20 writers. I found them all on LinkedIn. I said, I'm, I'm about to start this platform. Do you want to write for us? This is the type of content we're going to cover. And they all just said yes before the website was up. And that for me was validation that, okay, this is needed. So um, I started running that. I think, I think the media space is definitely different now. Um, but back then, there was definitely more of a need because there weren't that many platforms dedicated to highlighting women's careers and women in business. And so, um, yeah, they were all up for it. And so before we la launched, we had about 40 articles ready. And I was def I definitely have loads of lessons from this, especially around 
being realistic in running your business because I was editing all the articles and posting about three a day and then marketing them organically on social media. And we grew the, um, the readership to about 20,000 a month. But what wasn't realistic was posting three pieces of content a day, managing 20 writers and still trying to run my own small business because the way media companies work is that you need so much money behind it in order for it to grow really fast. And I just didn't have the capacity. And I basically, um, it kind of all just came crashing because it was too much to handle. And at one point the writers were contacting me saying, I really want to write an article. So I've written this one. Can you edit it? When can it be posted? There was so much pressure. And I said to myself, how can I still run this platform without all this pressure? So I had to scale things back. So when it came to the written content, I said, you know what, it's valuable, but it's not going to keep the business running because we weren't really making money off the content. There were a few brands that reached out and said to us, oh, you know, we'd like to do some um, branded content, which is when I realized that all for working ladies could actually be a business because I started it off as a passion project had no plans of it being a business until I started doing research and found out that was possible. So I scrapped back the online content and then started running events and looking into different forms of media in which we could monetize and still keep the platform running. And so in this new world of digital, there's things like newsletters, podcasts, brand partnerships, and those things pay quite well in, in comparison to having a digital platform where you're looking at branded content and things like that. So I completely changed the model to then be able to manage that alongside whatever I was doing at the time. And that was running my own business. And then I went back into a full-time job. Um, but what I always made sure that was possible was that it was realistic enough for me to manage alongside my full-time job, because that was what was pay me the bulk <laughs> of my income. Um, and But what I would say, though, regardless of the fact that it was paying me the bulk of my income, for Working Ladies is what has really built my profile um, mm -hmm. and has given me opportunities, despite the fact that it, it wasn't generating, you know, thousands and thousands. Um, it was helping me build my profile in terms of the work mm -hmm. that I do. So I do value that, and I would never trade it. Um, I don't know if I went a bit on a tangent there or if I've answered no, your question. I mean, I think it's, I there's so many things that I wanted to kind of jump in and ask you about because I think it's a really interesting journey because it's not linear, which I think is really encouraging because I think that especially our generation, you know, at school, it's like very like, okay, like, what do you want to do? Go to university, do that thing. And it is this quite like linear expectation of our careers. And actually, yeah, I think 2016, you know, the time that you, you sort of had this idea and went for it. I kind of feel like the last five years has been this massive shift away from that linear kind of expectation, you know, with like, Emma Gannon, like the multi-hyphen method, like you're, you talking about side hustles. Like I really think that conversation has grown a lot in the last five years because of people like yourself that are kind of showcasing how you can do it. But do you think there has been this wave? Like, do you feel like you were part of that movement? Because I think that now people that are maybe graduating from university are not necessarily thinking that that's how you have to do things. I think people like yourself have really shown that you can be a success whilst doing a few different things and, and kind of taking an interesting route. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, I didn't know I was part of that movement <laughs> until one day someone kind of brought it to my attention that, you know, 
you are one of the um, people that have really encouraged people to take on multiple projects and find out what their passion is. And I had a journalist, um, she's really early in her career, actually, she just finished uni and she said to me, um, this is what I studied, but I actually don't want to do it. I want to do something else. And I was like, yeah, do something else. Who cares? And we just started talking about what I had done in the past and how I had tried communications. I tried digital marketing. I went into different industries. I was really trying to find what I liked. And she said that gave her a lot of comfort because she feels that she has to go down this very, this very narrow path, which has been dictated by her parents and by what she studied. And I said to her, look, you don't have to do that literally test everything and find out what you like but I also understand that to me that freedom and that curiosity privilege comes with that because some mm -hmm. people just can't do that because they have to literally get into work immediately because they need the income and I'm you know I'm going to be very honest and say that I've had the privilege of like well not necessarily living at home but I was living with my partner and he was covering you know the, the majority of the rent and stuff like that um, from very early on of when I was like moving from left to right center. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I can say that, you know, being curious and trying to, you know, do loads of different things at the same time, you know, at times the truth is that privilege does come with that. So I understand that everyone won't have the opportunity, but what I do say is that if you do have to work, you have to get that income straight away and you can't, you know, keep changing jobs is start a side project that you are yeah. interested in that if you did want to move into another industry, you have something to show for it. Um, totally. I think that's really important. Yeah. And really to just kind of get your hands busy as well. If it's something that you say you like, then, you know, go out there and do it. Totally. And I think that, you know, we were saying that there's young people kind of maybe graduating now, but a lot of our members have maybe, and myself, you know, have been in corporate roles or have been in roles that didn't like light them up, but paid the bills and, I remember being 27 and going, oh my God, I've, I'm never going to do what I love to do because I really thought I'd done a job for five years and that was it. But that's when I yeah. started my side hustle and writing on the side. And I think that making that choice can be a bit scary, but it can be so empowering to really kind of go, okay, I've got to pay the bills. I'm going to do this job, but I'm not going to let that passion just like flitter away like I'm actually gonna kind of come home at night and work on it and that's you know we'll we'll talk about your book more later but I think that's really like the essence of your book is like how to practically yeah. do that and how you can like you said there is an element of privilege like if you if you're living you know maybe you've got parents that live in London or like you said you've got a partner that can support you then there is an element of privilege but I think it's just really encouraging that no matter where you are in your career or how far down the road you are, there's always an opportunity to still pursue that, that passion. How yeah. did you, I guess, from an overwhelmed perspective, like, or even a practical perspective, juggle all of that? So, you know, you started for working ladies when you weren't in full-time employment, then you went back into full-time employment. How, what, what was, how did you make that choice? And, and how did you balance that in the early days? You know, they like said you scaled it back, but I guess still a balancing act no matter how small your side hustle is yeah I remember the early days of Full Working Ladies I bought this big board and I created a timetable that was literally Monday to Friday and each day was the different types of content that I'd post and the different things that I'd have to do so I knew Monday maybe we we're going to talk about um, money plus and 
some interview with an entrepreneur and then Tuesday was going to be something lifestyle. So I really, really tried my best to schedule things out and to plan it out and to actually have it in front of me every day because I know how easy it is for you to throw your schedule in the bin just because you've written it down. So um, that was one thing that really helped because I think that and I've said this before, that sometimes when you start something, you just want to jump into it. But there are so many things for you to do and you get overwhelmed because there's no actual schedule of what should be done when. And even now, as I've come out of my full time job and I've come into running for working ladies and another platform that I've just started um, for, I think for the first month, I mean, at the first month, I just let myself go because it was my first month just to really relax, be spontaneous, see what I like, what I don't like, what works, what doesn't work. And then I created a schedule. Um, and so because I run a podcast as well, I do most of the research on Monday and then I do the recordings on Tuesdays or Wednesdays and Mondays also for strategy. And then Thursdays would be where I do external events, either Wednesdays or Thursdays, but I've tried my best to kind of create some sort of schedule and I think having that schedule allows me to say, okay, these are the boundaries that I have for myself. And um, I was speaking to another founder and we were both saying that initially when we didn't have schedules, every minute was to work on your side hustle because you just didn't have any boundaries that you had communicated to yourself internally. It was just that I have this business to run and I need to keep it running, full stop. Um, but I think having the schedule really helps you um, set those boundaries and be really focused on what needs to be done that day. I know it's not always, it's not always that easy to say have a schedule because some people have to do certain things as and when they come in, which is completely fine. But I think it will help you if you try to create a schedule and you'd be surprised once you sit down and you think of all the things that you need to do, you could actually do it in a, you know, more formulated manner as opposed to just running health skelter every day. Um, but yeah, that really worked for me. And I think there's also um, something called energy mapping. I've mentioned it in my book. And it's really understanding the things that take your energy, that drain you, the things that empower you, what times of the day work best for you, what times of the, ti what times of the days don't work best for you. Can you delegate this or can you continue to do it yourself? And so once you kind of draw out that map, not just for your work life, but your personal life, you begin to understand yourself better, which I think is part of the success in running your business, really understanding your own strengths, your weaknesses, your likes, what you don't like. And there's absolutely no problem in not liking running a certain part of your business that like you don't have to like everything. Maybe it's time for you to outsource it as well. But um, that really helped me in my full-time job when I went back into full-time work to really figure out what I'm doing month on month, day on day and week on week. So when I went back into a full-time job, the content part of the website, I stopped. And so we started running monthly events and then I launched the podcast. Um, and so it was much easier to manage. And I also told my employer, you know, my, my employer knew every time I went for an interview, actually, they always went down the line of talking about for working ladies and they would, you know, go on about how did you start it? How did you grow it? How did you do this? And I think, again, that's a testament to the value of having a side hustle. It really speaks well of your skill set. 
um, and it speaks well of your character. It shows that you're a self-starter. And I definitely feel it can give you more opportunities um, if you decide that you want to st yeah, stay in a full-time career because it really did give me loads of opportunities. Um, yeah, employers loved it. But that's not to say that all employers will love you running a side hustle. <laughs> so Yeah, I think it's a really interesting point because I guess if you're in full-time employment, I completely agree. I think that if you're looking to maybe stay in full-time employment but take your career in another direction, it can be amazing because if you're not getting yeah. those opportunities to show off those skills that you know you have in your full-time role like if you can showcase them through a side hustle then that's going to give you a great opportunities but have you have you experienced or heard of other people that have had pushback from their employer in terms of you know yeah they, they don't love the fact that they've got something else going on on the side and they kind of want their, all their mindset and all their energy dedicated to them yeah I mean I've definitely heard of um I had a friend that she said that she has kept it a secret. She doesn't tell her employer at all. And I was just like, how? And she just said that, yeah, she thinks they'll have a problem with it. Then I have another friend who said she's completely transparent. She lets them know, you know, she's going to be late because she, she has to send out some packages, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And they encourage her to continue to work on her side hustle. Have I had challenges in the past? I have, but I think that's because... Um, you know, my role has always been communications and my role has been about amplifying the people within the organization and the organization itself, even sometimes on my personal, you know, profile. Um, and I've, you know, been amplifying a lot of my work. So it has kind of clashed and maybe sometimes they're not happy that I'm, you know, building my profile so much and they're hearing less about the organization. Um, but I've also been really clear that, you know, my personal profile is for me and not for the organization. Um, so, yeah, I think it's important for you to know your rights as well. And I talk about that in the book, actually, that when you are starting a side hustle, really do know your rights, because some organizations have actually said that you can't have additional income um, and things like you can't be working on your side hustle when you're in the office. Um, there was actually a case where someone um, got sued. I think it was, don't want to mention the brand. How can I describe it? Basically, it was two dolls. It was a doll company. One mm -hmm. doll was created and that company, that, that person was the employee of another doll company when they came up with the idea. And then that small business overtook the big business in terms of the market share. And then the other company got really pissed off, sued them, claimed rights to that doll, and now they own everything. And that was simply because he worked on site when he came up with the idea. Um, so wow. yeah, like you have to be really careful and know, know your legal rights as an employee when you're working on a site hustle and where you're doing it, especially in terms of using office equipment. Unfortunately, some employers are a nightmare <laughs> when it comes to that. Mm -hmm. But that's not to say that there aren't employers that will support you, because I have had support in the past from employers with my side hustle. I mean, I've left work early. And I remember when I was writing my book, I took off, um, I took time off work. And I remember when I asked um, Emma Gannon, how did she do? And she said that she took Wednesdays off, that mm -hmm. she told her employer that, look, I'm writing a book and I need to take Wednesdays off. And that's what she did. Um, so I used up all of my leave um, and also used after work and before work. Plus, we were in a pandemic. I wasn't going anywhere. So <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the thing. I think the pandemic has just really opened a lot of doors for people that have maybe had these ideas because suddenly yeah. we're all at home and we're still working hard. But it does mean that you can 
you you have more time at home and if you're disciplined and if you set boundaries because I think that's a point that you made earlier and I think it's so important because when you're full time you know you you've got your commitments to your job then you've got the commitments to the side hustle that you're trying to get going and you've got to kind of put boundaries around your time for your employer but also for yourself and be quite strict yeah. with yourself to not overwork and not kind of do things but if you can grab a couple of hours each day to work on something you can actually make a lot of progress in a you know over a month say you can actually make a lot of progress if you're just dedicating a couple of hours a day oh definitely and you'd be surprised that because you've said okay one to three you get so much more done in the one to three as opposed to okay let me just start working on this because mm-hmm. you haven't really put any boundaries of start and stop in place and there's there's a um I can't remember what it's called I think it's called the promodo or I can't remember what it's called but oh, if I find yeah it. the focus there's sort of 25 minutes and then have a little break I think that's what it is but basically yeah, it's this theory of if you say you have five hours you will use up the five hours if you say you have two hours you'll use up the two hours um, and it's just, just this theory around creating focus um, creating time to focus which actually allows you to get the work done and then um, there's also um, I can't remember who the book is by but something called deep work a book called deep work which really encourages deep work, deep focus on your work. So switching off your phone, setting aside time and turning off all technology notifications, turning the internet off. That really, really helps me because I I get so distracted. Literally a notification comes up, I'm clicking on it. Like, yeah. So, and again, it really comes back to find out what works for you. Uh, and don't judge yourself just because something works for someone else and it doesn't work for you. It doesn't mean that, you know, you have a problem. It just doesn't work for you. Like we're all built in different ways. So it's really, really good to understand how you like working. Mm-hmm. And how, you know, I sort of said that over a month, you can make loads of progress. But I think that we sometimes get caught up on this okay like oh someone you know had a business idea and two months later they've launched it and now they've got you know a hundred thousand followers on instagram or whatever that is you know do you think that when it comes to entrepreneurship in general but especially when it's a side hustle and you are trying to do it alongside something else do you think we need to be really careful with the pressure that we put on ourselves and the expectations that we put on ourselves in terms of how fast this business has to grow or how fast we need to see that success yeah I think people have to start being a bit more transparent um, because founders need to be a bit more transparent. There are so many founders that have had like five, six failed businesses in the past that Mm -hmm. has given them a lot of experience. So when they do launch that one idea, it does really well. And they most probably have had an audience somewhere else that they brought over to this particular product. I mean... I really, really look at the industry a lot and I look at founders' profiles. I do loads of research to understand their background. And it's never the case of starting a business from scratch, it growing really fast and having no experience prior to that. It's never the case. They either have experience from their full-time corporate role, maybe Mm -hmm. that's in marketing or influencer marketing or something along the lines, but they've never started with zero experience. So you can never really compare your journey to someone that has experience if you don't have experience in terms of um, running your business or even to certain elements that allows a business to grow really fast. Um, 
And, you know, during lockdown, a few businesses did grow really quickly, like new businesses came up and some hit six figures, some didn't. Again, they weren't from founders who didn't have experience. There were people who had experience or who had extra cash around to to maybe use um, certain marketing tactics like influencer marketing. And I think that the reason why we put pressure on ourselves is because we've used that as um, we've used that to say that's what success is. Basically, it's like if you can get a business that six figures, that's success. But I've also seen a few businesses, you know, people have hit all different levels of income and their inside life is not great. They're not happy. So, you know, for me, money doesn't mean success. I think for me, it's definitely impact. And I think impact does come with being, being, you know, I do think that the income will come with impact. That's what I think. That's my mm-hmm. belief anyway with my work. But um, yeah, I definitely think there's a pressure to appear successful, to be able to come online and say, guys, this is what I did. There's this announcement culture as well. And I can't mm-hmm. say that I'm not part of it because I always have loads of different things that I have to announce if I want people to know. But it's, I think it's more the, the desire that people want to be able to do it as well. They want to be able to come online and announce. They want to come and say this is happening because they see that as success. Um, And I think that's kind of what social media has created for us. Um, Yeah, so I hope I've answered your question there. Yeah, you have. And I think, you know, social media is such a, it's, it's this like, I don't know, like it's it's amazing and it's awful at the same time because I yeah. think it facilitates uh, entrepreneurship. And so, and you know, you can kind of, you know, get your message out there, get your brand out there. You can connect with people. It's amazing. But I think you're right. It really perpetuates this hustle culture, which I think, you know, side hustle is obviously your kind of your, your area. But I think even the word hustle, we have to dissect a little bit because that hustle culture and um, yeah, how do you feel about that? You know, your book is called Side Hustle in Progress, but I know that talking about burnout and all those sorts of things is really important to you. So do you feel like we've kind of the hustle has got out of control slightly and maybe social media is behind that? It's so interesting because I had so many reservations about calling my book um, Side Hustle in Progress, but I mean, that, that was literally the best description because it really was a side hustle that's in progress while I'm working in a full-time job Um, but I also know that there's a lot of negativity around the world word hustle Um, but I made sure that I covered that in the book that you know I'm not promoting burnout I'm not promoting do this at all costs you know create a business at all costs you know that puts your health at risk I'm not doing that and I think that um, I think the reason why that happens is because people want their business to grow really, really fast. There's, and I think this mainly comes from the startup world. And I think it's important to understand what type of business you want to create. Um, mm-hmm. We've kind of seen business as you come up with an idea, it grows really fast and then you get really rich. That isn't the case for everyone. You might just have a business that has three employees. It's bringing in a good amount of income. You can pay your bills. You can save. You can invest. I mean, it's still good money, but business doesn't look like one thing. It can look like many different things for many different people. But for some reason, I think the media has painted it as it's all about it being really fast, having loads of investment, turning around loads of money. And with that comes a lot of stress. So I think it's important to understand 
what you're trying to create? You know, what type of business do you envision for yourself? And one of the things I talk about, you know, in the book is that, what do you envision for your life? What type of life do you want to live? Do you want to be working five days a week, having to manage 20 people on a team and having to do so many different things? If that's the case, then fine. You can, you can create a business that could maybe become that one day. But if you don't really want, if you want to be working three days a week, managing two people, then create a business that's going to give you that kind of, you know, lifestyle. Um, so yeah, I think the hustle culture definitely comes from, I think media, media, social media, the fact that we think that's the only way to do business. And it's very, very much driven by the, I think, the male culture, <laughs> the male yeah. way of doing business, to be honest. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely driven. I think when it comes to business, the default way to do it is to act like a man, do it like a man. Mm -hmm. um, that's been the default way. But I, I love that that's changing. Um, yeah. And we're noticing that things don't have to be that way. Totally. And I think you're right. I think, you know, we can't generalize completely, but there definitely is um, a gender split. Like, oh, I think there's a cis man way of doing things, cis white man way as well. You know, like just this really old school way of doing business. And then kind of everyone else is trying to say, well, that doesn't work for me, but I'm yeah. kind of, well, I think... I think the last five years, we have started to see these role models of a different way of working. You know, you, yeah. you being one example, but I think it's great that we see diversity in not only the kinds of founders that we're seeing, but the ways of working and the way that a business can function and a way that a successful lifestyle exactly. can look. Because if we just have this homogenous idea of it, then that's where I get burnout comes in. Because, and also if you're chasing something, you're working six days a week and you're really hustling, no matter how much money it's bringing in, like if you've actually lost the passion for it, like you're not, yep. I don't, I think it's really hard to be happy and to keep motivated yeah. if you lose that yeah. passion. Oh no, definitely. Um, I mean, you can sometimes lose passion for something when stress creep, creeps in. That's, that I think is completely normal. And I think it's always really important to remind yourself why you started um, why you're committed to this and why you want to see it through to the end or why you want to continue the journey because the passion can definitely sometimes fizzle out um, especially mm -hmm. when money's involved and you know you have to commit to different deadlines and stuff um, yeah some people have mentioned that that happens what once they start monetizing their side hustle or their passion projects that sometimes it just feels that the passion kind of just drains out and I'm like okay maybe you need to go back to the drawing board and see what you can change to make this less stressful and more enjoyable. Yeah, I think that's, it's, that's really resonated with me because I feel like when you have a side hustle, that's your like excitement where you're like, I yeah. can't wait to finish like my boring day job and go and do my side hustle. And then yeah. if your side hustle becomes your full-time gig because you've made it success and you've been able to quit the full-time job, that's amazing. But then that becomes your day-to-day -day thing. And, and as your success grows, the stress can grow with it. And then like you yeah. said, that can then suddenly have you finding yourself not stopping for a moment and enjoying what you're doing because you're yeah. just like on the hamster wheel, which is kind of like full-time employment. Have you got any advice for, well, for me personally, because I'm like there right now, but also for anyone listening about how have you maintained that passion for what you do? And, and is it a case of 
managing your stress because I think you're right stress can be the enemy of passion yeah um so one thing I would say is don't do it alone um I know there are loads of communities but I think like having a close set of people whether it's just two or three that you can talk to constantly about what's going on in your business how you feel is really really important because if not you'll be very very lonely and um, that in itself can, you know, put you in, you know, it, it can just make you feel like you're kind of talking to a wall and there's no progress. And sometimes when you have two to three people around you and you're talking about it, they can point out to you that, oh, there's been progress here. This looks really great. It gives you the energy to keep going again. You know, you can relate on where things are difficult. You can, you know, crowdfund advice. Um, so I think it's very, very important to have a close knit of people that you can talk to and be part of several different communities. I mean, the beauty of online now is that there are so many online communities that you can join, you know, and be active in those communities, ask questions, try to meet people online, you know, on LinkedIn, on Zoom, try to tweet at people. If you've got any challenges, don't keep to yourself really go out there and try to make friends, make peers. I think that's so important because believe me, it can be very lonely very, very quickly. (laughs) And I think having people around you that you can ask advice from people more experienced, people maybe um, who are your peers, and then also being able to give advice onto others who are coming up behind you is also important. Um, In terms of keeping the passion, my mission is like really strong and I think because I truly believe in the mission of advancing women, um, whether it be at work in organizations or in business, it it has always been that my work will focus around that. And Mm -hmm. if the work that I'm doing changes, but the mission stays the same, I'm completely fine with that. So for me, I've always been very mission driven. And so it's Mm -hmm. just making sure that the work that I do really focuses on that mission. If tomorrow, I was to shut for working ladies down, I will definitely start something else that is focused on the mission. It just might be in a different way. Um, and I have started another company with a co-founder and that's called Lecor, but that's focused on women within organizations. And um, it's all about advancing mid-level young women into leadership roles. Because as we know, when it comes to leadership within organizations, women are rarely seen. But what we're also focused on doing is that for the women that do get there, we want to make sure that they're reflective of society. So they're all different types of women. Um, So my work will always kind of be around advancing women, entrepreneurship and self-development. And I think it's this is why I think it's so important to understand what you want out of life, what you're passionate about and not just this is a work. This is a business. Let me do it, because if it doesn't really tie into your own mission, I think at times it's very easy. It's very easy for it to just fizzle out and for you to want to stop. Um, so that's the way that I approach it. And yeah, that's definitely my approach, kind of being led by a mission. I think you're right. If you've got almost like a golden thread that goes through everything that you do, then if you're juggling all these balls and it feels a bit overwhelming, then actually you can always come back to that central thing. And actually, you know, I think that's what we're seeing in the sort of multi-hyphenate um approach to work and I guess from a from a career standpoint it's about like finding your niche and like having your personal brand and obviously that's really powerful and really really important but I think also from a well-being perspective as well like you said if you can keep coming back to that mission if everything you're doing has some sort of connection it's gonna 
give you the uh, motivation to keep going, like even on those days when it all feels a little bit much. Um, yeah. With burnout, um, I'm just I'm kind of interested on in your thoughts on this because we talked a little bit about the the male way of doing work. Do you think that 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 burnout is is more of a female issue? Um, and do you do you have an idea on why that might be? I can't say it's more of a female issue. I don't know the stats around that, but um, I spoke to Amy Thompson. She started um, a mm-hmm. platform called Moody, which is yeah, all about- Yeah, we had her health. on recently. Oh yeah, so, well, then the listeners will know who I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> um, and when we were talking, you know, we spoke a lot about the fact that women have, we have, the way our bodies work is very different from men. You know, we have our monthly cycles and things like that. We experience different things at different stages in our lives. And that can all affect the way in which we work and our productivity. So I would say with the difference that we have in men, we might experience burnout in a different way. We definitely have maybe more pressures on our our physical body than men do because of the different things that we go through, especially if you decide to have children. Um, You know, it's just completely different. And then when you're also thinking about it, the research does say that when it comes to like the domestic labor in the house, it's mainly put on the woman. If she's living with a man, it's mainly put on the woman. She, She will pick it up. So society has put more pressure on women's shoulders. And so there's a need to look a certain way. There's a need to show up a certain way. There's, you know, so many different invisible pressures that add to the burnout. And it all really kind of goes back to the patriarchy, right? At the end of the Mm day, it doesn't... (laughs) As most bad things do. (laughs) Yes, exactly. So do women experience burnout more? I can't say, but I do think, you know, we have a whole lot of pressure outside of work that's on us already. I think sometimes once you go through it, once it's almost like a good reminder that you're not invincible because I think that's definitely you know I'm like oh I can handle this I can handle this and then something happens and you snap and then it think it only has to happen once for you to go ah okay and now I know the warning signs and now I'm gonna reassess where I'm at and where I'm putting my energy yeah when I was building for working ladies I definitely experienced burnout Um, And at one point I was looking for a co-founder because it was becoming way too much because I wanted to keep the growth steady. I didn't want it to drop down. Um, But at one point when my book deal came in, I put the platform on hold because I said, I'm not going to do both at the same time and still do my very high pressure full-time job and then put my health at risk. I was just like, that's not happening. Um, so I think it's really important to not allow your business to take control of you. And now the second business that I've started, I have a co-founder and we've both been very clear on how we work. We've both said, this is the type of life we want to live and we want to create this business that has this mission. You know, we don't agree with burnout. We have certain ways of working. We take into consideration that, you know, we are both women We both have different experiences. So many things like we're completely running our business in a very different way. And I think that that is because we have experience of what burnout looks like when it comes to running a business. Um, And so we're definitely being taking a much healthier approach um, into starting this new business. And yeah, I'm just... I'm really glad about that. <laughs> we actually had a discussion yesterday and, you know, and she said to me, I'm so glad that we, you know, we have the same values 
because um, she had to skip a meeting and she was feeling guilty and things like that. And, you know, we both said, remember, we're creating this type of business and that if we need to put something first, it's completely fine because we know we're going to get the work done anyway. Whereas maybe the, the old way would say, no, business mm-hmm. must come first all the time at every cost. So, yeah, I think it's just really um, important to understand how you want to work. I mean, you talked a little bit about the book and the process of how you juggled that. Before we take some questions from the audience, I did want to, I mean, it's a podcast that people can't see that I have a copy of the book here, but I do, and it's beautiful. (laughs) And it's the, the, the kind of book I wish I'd had three years ago when I was starting out. So, how what was that process I mean like you said you you made some decisions about your business to to write the book but what was the process of getting the book deal or writing it and yeah and how how do you feel now it's out in the world I'm excited someone sent me um someone tagged me in a book stack yesterday and my book was on top it was sitting on top of shoe dog um I don't know if you've heard of shoe dog it's the founder of Nike and I was literally (laughs) screaming I was showing it to my husband I was like oh my god look at my book just sitting there um but yeah I asked her loads of questions I said where did you get the book from she said she got it from Waterstone in in Cardiff it was in the business section and honestly I was I don't know why I was so shocked because I know it's in the bookshops but it just left me really shocked and I think even till today it still hasn't really sunk in that I have a book out there in the world that people are reading um but yeah I'm really grateful I'm very very happy that it's out there it was a huge project for me so in terms of getting the book deal in 2018 I decided that I wanted to write a book Um, it was just one of my big goals that I had and I was building out for working ladies and I said to myself I want to reach so many people what's the way that I can do that and a book is one way that I know I could reach more people um, all over the world if I wanted to so I had written down that I want to write a book and I've been writing it for a couple of years. And then I decided to take action and write like the outline of the book and what the marketing plan would look like, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then I contacted this editor and just said to her, I want to write a book off the back of my platform. And she said, oh, I think you need to grow your platform. And how big was your personal platform at that point? It wasn't, it wasn't big. I was just very ambitious and just said, yep, yeah, I can do this. Other people are writing books, why not? <laughs> Um, and plus, I, plus, I also saw that there wasn't really a book on how to start a business that was from like young millennial women in a small package. There were loads of like traditional business books, um, so I kind of felt like there was a market for it. But I didn't, I didn't push. I just kind of set it aside because I didn't know where to start from. When she said, "Oh, you know, your platform's not big enough," and I just said, "Okay, cool," and then. I confidently said the next time this comes out, the publisher's going to approach me. Um, I think I said that out of anger. I'm not even sure if I was trying to manifest it or what I was doing, but <laughs> that's what I said. <laughs> and then um, mid-2020, HarperCollins had sent me an email and said, we'd like to work on a book project with you. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, so we had the meeting and I said to them, I have this exact idea already. So I showed them the outline for the book. And because I had the outline, I knew what I was going to be writing about. The process moved so quickly. Um, but I also didn't understand like the legal staff contract. So then I went off to find an agent. So I reached out to different authors and said, oh, I need to discuss um, a book deal offer, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And um, yeah, then I met my 
first agent and she helped me kind of like get a really good deal and stuff. And then after that, I just basically started writing. But for about two months, I couldn't write. I was literally every day thinking about the book. And I'm like, how am I going to start this? Literally just staring at the wall, looking into my laptop. It was so difficult. I just think it was the feeling of I'm supposed to write a book. How? Because I've never written a book before. And I just thought to myself, how am I going to get all these words on the page? And it's so interesting because my word count was supposed to be 30,000. And I had actually done 76,000, not knowing until I got to the end. And even then, I haven't included everything that could be included. I really did have to really kind of chop things out. Save it for book two. <laughs> so it's so amazing at what you can achieve. Um, but your mind just tells you that, oh yeah, this is going to be really difficult. Um, but yeah, one day I just sat down and I said, okay, do you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to jot down ideas for each chapter. So we just started doing bullet points. Um, and I was always getting inspiration here and there from different books, from listening to podcasts, from speaking to founders when I was interviewing them. And that helped me develop each of the chapters. Um, and then, yeah, so then I just basically would build upon the bullet points. And that was how I kept the process going. The most difficult part is the editing stage because you just want to rewrite the whole book and um, your editor might send you <laughs> God knows how many comments, who knows? Yeah, so I really enjoyed the process. Um, I think it was fun. So I think there's three process, there's three kind of like phases. There's the before the book, getting the book deal, doing the outline, justifying the market and things like that. Then there's actually writing it. And then post writing it, there's a lot of the work which goes into marketing it. Because in as much as you've got a book that's been backed by a big publisher, you still have to sell that book to people. And it's through things like coming on a podcast, doing events, you know, getting press and stuff like that. Um, there's a lot that has to be done in order to make sure that the book actually sells really well. Yeah, so it's definitely been a great experience. And I'll be honest, growing up, I think I, you know, I was saying on a previous podcast that I did think I would have a book. I just didn't know what it would be. Like, I was so ambitious as a child. I always kind of wanted to write, but because I'm also mildly dyslexic, I always thought, oh, no, I won't be able to do it. So, yeah, I'm really proud of myself, actually. It was a difficult process. It was fun. And, yeah, I'm so glad it's out there. Book one, fingers crossed, book two soon. Yeah, fingers <laughs> crossed. How exciting. So, um, before we go, we've got a couple of questions from the audience. So, one is, what advice would you give to those wanting to take the leap into their side hustle but aren't sure about what the initial first step should be? I mean, I know there's a lot of advice in your book, but what would be your top piece of advice? I'm going to assume, let's just assume this person lives by themselves and they have to pay rent and have to look after themselves. I think the most important thing for me is money, like finances. <laughs> First of all, work out, if you already have your side hustle, what is it bringing in and work out what it needs to run. And then also work out what you need to maintain your living costs and your lifestyle. You can definitely cut things out. So maybe you won't have to go to the gym and you can work out at home. You know, think about all the costs to so get some sort of Excel sheet and document all these things and actually be strategic in making the decision and don't just take the leap. Um, so I think finances are very important to consider. 
Um, and once you've done that, you'd know if it's really realistic for you to kind of leave your job, focus on your um, side hustle, keep growing that, being able to maintain your own living costs and still being able to survive because like, <laughs> that's very, very important to me anyway. I had savings. So um, taking the leap for me was okay because I had savings to fall back on. And, and again, you know, I live with my husband, so there's two income streams in this house. So many different things you have to take into consideration. But at the same time, if your business isn't making so much money, but you say to yourself, if I put more time into sales, that could help it generate more, that's another angle that you could look at it. So that could be you taking a risk. It could be you maybe going to take, you know, there's so many different ways you could approach it. But um, I think the number one thing you should consider is the finances, not just your own personal finances, but, you know, the finances of the business. It's really important to look at that. Um, but yeah, I talk mm. about that in the book as well, in terms of really understanding the income, the expenses and yeah. your own upkeep. Yeah, there's some great um, practical advice in there. And I think also, and we talk about this a lot, that sometimes women like we, we find talking about money uncomfortable sometimes and yeah. we kind of you know and I think getting comfortable with those conversations getting like being able to look at everything in a really holistic way and making smart choices like you said sometimes there will be a risk involved there's always a risk in business but yeah you can make smart choices if you're you know really looking at it yeah and then we've got one question from Natalia so is there anything you would have done differently if you could go back in time in your career because I mean you've had such an interesting journey which we've talked about today but is there anything that you look back on and think mm, could have done different um oh, gosh I've really enjoyed it so there's definitely been ups and downs and with all the ups and downs there's definitely been lessons I think what I would have done differently with for working ladies, and I, I don't think I would have done it differently, to be honest, because it started off as a side project, is that if I had started it off as a business from the beginning, as a media company, my approach would have been very, very different. And I think I know so much, so much more now about business that I didn't know then. But I'm also very happy with that journey because I've learned it along the way. Um, but now I've started a second business, all the learnings have, has gone into that. And so the growth of that will be very different and how that grows and, you know, will be very different compared to for working ladies. But I don't think I would have done any, anything different. The most important things for me were having good mentors and peers around me, people to ask questions to being bold enough to reach out to people that you don't know you know, never assume that people don't want to help you or don't want to talk to you just because they don't reply you immediately. Like all the founders that I speak to, a lot of them don't know a lot of things, but they speak to people who are more experienced. So there's someone at the moment, she's building a tech platform and she's speaking to one of like one of the top tech professionals at Deliveroo. Mm-hmm. And she said that person has been so helpful in making her understand, in helping her find someone to hire part time to take on that part of her tech platform. So never feel like you need to know everything. Like we're literally surrounded by people who know things already and just be very confident and comfortable in reaching out to them and asking questions like you don't have to do everything on your own. And I think I picked that up late but I'm glad that I picked it up eventually because I think that your circle is so important for your own personal growth and for your business's growth as well definitely like you said it's got benefits for your business but also benefits for your 
mindset and your mental health and just the community is so yeah. so valuable well i've got one last question that is how can we support you what have you got coming up where can we find you where can we buy your book we know it's in waterstones in cardiff but i'm sure it's elsewhere as well <laughs> Yeah, I mean, so it's 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 in Foils, it's in WH Smith, it's in Waterstone. You can also buy it um, at Amazon, as well, on Amazon. There's the Audible version. And um, yeah, that's the book. You can sign up at forworkingladies.com if you want to know what's coming up next. Um, I also have a podcast called How I Made It Happen, season two. It's coming out next month. And I've also started a new business called lecour.com, which is L-E-I-C-O-U-R.com. And that, again, like I said, is for women within organizations that have the desire to move into leadership roles. And we're going to be working and supporting them with um, a technology platform. Yeah. And you can follow me on all social media platforms, Elizabeth or Gabby. Liz, thank you so much. And tell everyone about the book. Yes. (laughs) I mean, you are just, like I said at the start, the ultimate multi-hyphenate. You're really practicing what you preach when it comes to side hustle. You've got so much going on and like wishing you all the best and all the success and can't wait to read the book even more. Thank you so much. Thanks, Liz. Thank you so much for listening to the Bossing It podcast. We'd love it if you could rate, review and subscribe on your favourite podcast platform as it'll help other people find us. You can also find us online at Found Flourish on all socials where you can tweet us, slide into our DMs, get in touch however you'd like to nominate a guest or to ask us any questions about the topics we discussed during the series. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next week.